Good morning. The number was up there, wasn't it, by the way? Yeah, it was up there. Everybody doing all right? Good. Y'all sound amazing. I mean, I was, I was standing up there, and I, I, I turned around. I was spying on some of y'all. Don't let it creep you out. But, and I was thinking, man, this is a good-looking church. And uh, half of you looks better than the rest, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll let you figure out which half that is, okay? I know my boundaries. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm glad. To, it feels like it's been forever since I've been up here. And uh, so glad to, glad to be back up. Um, before I jump in, I just want to tell a little personal story. Now, this personal story is one that um, has great significance for me, uh, but I realize that some of you have much crazier stories. Um, but this is just kind of where this entire um, message today is, is birthed from. Uh, about three years ago, um, Melissa and I decided that um, God was calling us to leave the church we were at. We were, we were happy. We were, we were fine. Um, and uh, we enjoyed the city we were in, and so we felt like, but we felt like he was calling us to, to, to come here. After being here for a while, I have no idea why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we felt like he was calling us uh, to, come, to come here. And so, like you do anytime you move long distances, you start to try to check some boxes, right? So you, you have to find a place to live. And so um, we came up, and uh, we visited a place, an apartment, and that was literally uh, the only place that we went to. And it fit our budget. Everything worked out. Uh, my son has some, has some dog allergies. This apartment was new. No one had ever lived in it, so it took care of that. It's one of those things where you really feel like God just opened the door, where things just, just worked out. Or if, if you're not a, a, a God believer, you just, things just worked out. But we really felt like God opened that door. And so then we checked the next box. We got to get child care uh, for our little man. And so um, we start visiting around to some places. And we come to this one place where um, we, we absolutely love and to, until they give us the price at the end of the door. And uh, it's funny how they do it like that, at the end. And so we ha- made a courtesy call the next morning and said, hey, we really, really enjoyed uh, your place. Um, but we're just going to have to pass. A little, too, a little too rich for our blood. And they're like, well, you know, I've been thinking about you all since you left and um, really feel like we want you to be here. So whatever you can pay, bring him on. And uh, so another door, right, that, that is just, that, that's opened. And uh, then it came to, obviously, Melissa finding a job because I'm a pastor. We need two incomes. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Y'all, y'all, y'all were good to me. Um, and, uh, but anyway, came looking for her a job, and she um, actually only applied to one place. Got a, call, got a call back a couple weeks later, went through the interview process. And um, they actually ended up holding the job open for her so that she could be the person. Once again, God opened a door. It seems pretty clear, right? Fast forward a year and a half from, from that point, uh, everything seems to be going well. Um, Melissa is having a lot of stress at work. It's causing a lot of turmoil in her. It's really difficult. But she seems to be doing a good job. They've complimented the job that she's done. They call her in one um, Friday morning, Thursday morning, something like that. And uh, she sits with her boss, and her boss says, today's your last day. We're letting you go. Gave no other explanation um, except for uh, we've, we've decided, didn't say if they're going to cut pay, whatever it was, but we've just decided to, to do something different. And so from, from in a split second, it goes from, or in a year, it goes from this is the doors that God opened to a door slamming in your face. And I tell that story because I think sometimes that's, that's the process of life, isn't it? Like whether you're a believer in Christ or not, it's still the same thing. Sometimes it feels like things are working out really, really well. And then sometimes it feels like doors are closing in your face and nothing is working out. And you're left wondering why. 
This morning, I want to talk for just a few minutes, and this is my title, Shut the Front Door. Look at the person beside you and say, shut the front door. And so you get to these points where you're wondering, am I doing the right thing? And like, what should I do now? What's, what's the next step? Where is God trying to take me? Where is my life going? How do I have success? And I'm going to use this thing of doors because doors are like transition periods. They're transitioning from one room to the other, transitioning from inside to to outside, and so really they're just kind of like stages of life, but we're going to use the term doors because oftentimes these really key moments in our life are transition periods, and if we don't learn to recognize those and recognize them for what they really are, we're either going to get really frustrated because we're bumping up against some closed doors, or we're going to miss out on some really cool stuff because we don't realize that it's an open door and it is what God would have for us. So this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to start there kind of make our way through the story of Noah. Need a boat? Yeah. I know a guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It don't get no better, y'all. All right. Um, Genesis chapter 6, and uh, we're going to talk about the story of Noah. And if you haven't been in church, and you, you, you probably still have some idea of this story, if you've seen Evan Almighty, exact depiction. No, I'm just kidding. But if you've seen Evan Almighty, at least you get the... Uh, at least you get the, the, the direction. Um, so basically, just to kind of set it up, God's created earth. He's created man and woman. He puts man and woman in the middle of a garden. And because love can't exist if we don't get a choice to love or not, and God wanted a relationship with people, he had to give them a choice. So he put a tree in the middle of this garden, and he said, you can have anything else, don't eat from this tree, because they had to have a choice, whether they were going to follow God or, or, or not. God wanted to, to see if they loved him. And so eventually they decide... And that tree looks really good. And so they take and they eat of the tree, which we call the fall of man. In other words, sin entered the world. Man was separated from God at that point. They walked together all the time, talked together all the time. But at that point, um, a perfect God can't look at sinful man. And so man and God are, are separated. As a matter of fact, there's a beautiful story in Genesis where when that happens, Adam and Eve realize all of a sudden they're naked. And God goes and kills an animal and covers them. And, of course, the significance of that is later on, God would, a lamb, Jesus, would be killed for the sins of the world, and it would cover our sins. But after Adam and Eve, things kind of progress. Things get more and more, more and more wicked in the earth, and it was before Jesus' time, so God dealt with humanity a little differently. And so he decides, I'm going to hit the reset button on this whole thing. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start over. I'm going to save one family. I'm going to save some animals. Everything else, I'm flooding with water. And so God calls this man named Noah. Now, the name Noah literally means relief or comfort. And I think that's interesting considering what he's going to do in just a few moments for the animals and for his family, which brings me to a side note point. What you call things is important. What you name things in your life is important. Noah's name means relief or comfort because it was a depiction of what he would bring. So when you start to beat up on yourself and you call yourself stupid, you call yourself no good, you call yourself a mess up, mess up, that, that, that's important. Don't do that because our labels mean things. Our labels can eventually determine kind of who we are. Don't do that. God says you're more than that. He says that he's put potential inside of you. He says he loves you. He says he will always seek after you. He says he will always work things for your good. He says you are a daughter of his. He says that you are a son of his. Jesus says literally if we have a relationship with him, we're his brother. You're more than that. But Noah's name means relief or comfort. Noah, just a side note so you can impress your friends tomorrow, 
Noah is the third oldest man recorded in Scripture at 950 years old. Some of you thought you were old. From now on, just compare yourself to Noah. 950 years older. So, old. so let's pick up this story at the very, kind of the beginning in Genesis 6, verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. I'm going to talk about three doors or three stages. Number one, the open door. The open door. That verse says that Noah was a righteous man. Now, when we hear those words, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? You think Noah was perfect. Noah never messed it up. Noah always did the good things, never did the bad things. Everything was easy peasy. Noah was the man, right? But that's not what that means. As a matter of fact, if you fast forward and you kind of read the end of Noah's story, you find out quick that he is not a perfect man. But what this is saying is it's saying Noah was righteous not because of what he did, but because of who he had. In other words, Noah was righteous because he believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Our righteousness is not of our own doing. It is an act of God. So that's the open door. Because of Jesus in our life, it opens some doors for us. Some of you, you the, the door was closed on you. The door was closed on your eternity. The door was closed on your relationship with God until, until, until Jesus. And he opened that door. And so no longer is it about what you do, but it's about who you know. In other words, some of you are still knocking, trying to get in a door that God already says, I've opened it. You're still trying to earn it. You're still living in that past. You're still living in that shame. You're still living in that guilt. And what God wants you to know this morning is being a child of mine, I've already opened the door. Just trust me. Just believe in me. Quit trying to earn it. Quit trying to get past your past by yourself. I am the open door. I have it. Because of Jesus, the door is open to experiencing freedom. The prison doors open up because of Jesus. Joy can be yours because of Jesus. Peace in the midst of struggle can be yours. The promises of God can be yours. The door is open not because of who you are, but because of who you know. Our righteousness does not get us to Jesus, but Jesus, when he begins to work in us, will get us to a place of being more righteous. But it seems too easy, right? The gift of God is, it's a free gift, and it opens some doors for us. It says, Noah was a righteous man, and, God, and Noah walked with God. Now, I think, I think that last part is really, really important, because in order to experience the open doors, we need to walk with God. Yes, the door is open because of Jesus, but a walk with God is the thing that continues to open the doors in our lives. Take, think of it like this. Um, I'm very directionally challenged, so I can't go very many places without a GPS, Okay. Some of y'all are like, well, y'all should, should have been around back in the day. We didn't have a GPS. I would have been lost. Just got to say. And so pretty much anywhere I go, I, I, I put it in my, in my GPS. Now, do you think that I look at the fourth direction in my GPS? No, because I'm too busy trying to make the next turn, right? And if I look at the fourth one, I'm going to miss this one, and I'm going to see that there's traffic up ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and get mad about the traffic that I don't want to sit in, right? But instead, when I follow my GPS, I take it one step at a time, I think that's what Noah did with God, and I think that's what our call is as believers. Some, some of us, we are so fixated on what's down the road and five turns from now and when we get to our destination that we're missing walking with God now. There's so many things that he has for you if you'll lean into him now. There's so much good stuff he wants to pour into your life if you will lean into him now. Don't rush now. 
walking with God means daily I'm hanging out with him. I'm reading scripture. I'm trying to pray even though I don't know how. I show up to church even when it's inconvenient. Walk with God. Because if we're not careful, we will look so down the road that we'll miss the opportunities of now. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, I believe it's God's grace that doesn't give us four steps down the road. Because he knows that in our present condition, if he showed us the final destination right now, it would literally paralyze us and stop us cold. And so God, in his grace, takes us step by step by step. He reveals it piece by piece. God is doing something in your life. Be in the now. Walk with God now. So God begins to speak to Noah in verse 14. Build a a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and walls throughout its interior. This is the definition of an open door, right? This is what you want. God's, give me a sign. This is God literally saying, he's FaceTiming Noah and he is saying, build a boat. This is what you want when God calls, isn't it? Like, you want it to be plain, you want it to be spelled out, you want a text message, a Facebook post, and confirm it with a FaceTime call, right? If we could just walk like that, like, if that could just be our life. But that's basically what God has said. He says, build a large boat. This is the perfect open door, the open door when we do get the first job we apply for, when they do say, bring your child on. This is the open door, and that's what we like. Maybe you got a call at the same time you were thinking about something. Maybe you got the exact job offer you'd been, you'd been praying for. Maybe you got asked to do something you've always felt like you should do, like you were made to do, and it kind of came out of nowhere. It's, it's obvious. It's too perfect. Even if you're not a Christian, there's things in your life that you just feel are obvious that you should do. Because it just seems, it seems too perfect. The door seems too wide open. But let's continue reading because the open door isn't just easy living sometimes the door is just is just cracked that's the second door the cracked door the cracked door is a time of action and faith because obviously Noah has an open door to build this boat God has said Noah did that sound anything like Morgan Freeman no I can't but we all know that Morgan Freeman sounds like God so if that didn't sound like Morgan Freeman that's a bad interpretation but anyway God has literally said Noah Noah, I want you to build this boat. That's an open door, right? But then after he gets the call to build the boat, what does he have to do? Build the boat. I think so many of us are missing out on some really, really cool things that God has for us because we're unwilling to do the hard work. There is a time for prayer. There is a time for saying, I'll pray about it. There is a time for mulling it over. There is a time for seeking God. But if you never take the step and do anything with what God calls you to do, the door will always remain cracked and you will never walk through. Because we live in a culture that doesn't like the hard work. Like, we want things instant. I can have my coffee in about 40 seconds in the morning. I can, have, I can cook anything I want in just a few minutes in the microwave. It may taste like junk, but I can cook just about anything I want in the microwave. We have airplanes, we have self-driving cars, we have Amazon Prime two-day delivery, which is one day too long. We like things immediately. And sometimes that means we're unwilling to do the hard work. Sometimes praying about it is good. 
But what God is saying, he's saying, do something about it. He's saying, I put you there. Like, have you read the story of Noah? What if Noah got this call and said, I don't know, let me pray about it. God would have said, no, Noah, I put you on the earth. You have something to do. There's a time to pray about it. When, 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 when a natural disaster happens or like when something happens like, like happened yesterday in Texas, like a shooting or something, Christians are really good. And if you're not a believer in here, I'm sorry because I think we've kind of messed this up sometimes, but we're really good at saying, I'll pray for you. And I wonder how many times we've tweeted and Facebook praying for the city, but nothing's changed. And so people are beginning to wonder, what are they praying for? Who are they praying to? Because we've got to, we've got to do something with it. We've got to have faith, but also got to have action. This boat was a big boat. Don't look at the, what your wife sent beside you and say, you got a big boat, okay? Um, it was 450 feet long. A lot of y'all didn't catch that. That's probably good because I probably shouldn't have said it. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. It had three decks, one door, and a series of small windows, 18 inches high, right under the roof, providing light and ventilation. In other words, this was a big call. It was a big project, but it was also a difficult one. You can, you can write this down. You can type this in your phone. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's wrong. Some of you, you live that, you've lived that life because you were stuck in the environment you were raised in or you were stuck in some habits or you were stuck in some addiction and you absolutely knew the right thing was to lift yourself out of that or better yet, let God lift you out of it. But it was hard, wasn't it? Like you knew where your life was headed if you continued to have those attachments and it was hard. But just because it was hard didn't mean it was wrong. I think we've been tricked into believing that anything hard is wrong, even if you're not a Christian. I hear this. Must not be meant to be. Must not supposed to be. Karma. Must not, must not be right. It's hard. My generation is terrible at this. We want our trophy and don't want to have to do anything for it. We want to play sports, but don't keep score because we don't want anybody to... We, 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 we don't want it to be hard. But just because you're in a hard place doesn't mean it's not the right place. Noah had a tough project to do. He had a, he had a, a boat to build. One author puts it like this, because it's hard work, but it also requires faith. He says, this boat was designed for flotation, not navigation. In other words, what that means is, God did not tell Noah to put a steering wheel on this because... Noah had to have the open door, and Noah had to have the open door. God spoke to Noah, I need you to build this boat. Noah then had to go and do something with it. He had to do his part. He had to get busy buying wood, making a boat. But there came a point when he gets finished with this boat, when he gets finished with this ark, he eventually is going to have to, uh, have to allow it to float on top. Sometimes you've got to let the boat float. Like, for some of you, you have done all you can. It's time to let the boat float. 
you have tried to, you've raised those kids the best you know how, and now they're about to go to college. Or you've raised those kids the best you know how, and now they're, they're, they're moving away or they're getting married. For some of you, you, you've done all you can with your finances. You've tried to be faithful. You've been a saver. You've been a giver. You, you, you've done all that stuff, but now they're just a bill came up. You've got to let it float. When you've done all you can, you've got to trust God. You've got to let it float. What if, what if, what if Noah would have tried to steer this boat with the wind and the waves? He would have driven himself nuts fighting against what God sent. Did you catch that? Some of you, you're driving yourself nuts, and the reason is because you're still trying to steer something that God's saying let float. Because Noah didn't trust himself to steer the boat, but he trusted the God who floated the boat. Do your part. Pray. Be willing to do, work hard. But at some point, you've got to let the boat float. It was built for flotation, not navigation. And that's the, that's the difficult part. I got, I, to be honest, this is the hard part for me, especially when it comes to finances. Because I want to do something. Like, and, and part of that, I think, is healthy because God didn't call us to be lazy. Like, we've got, we've got to work, we've got to get our hands dirty, we, we've got to do it, but, but every other part of life, I feel like I'm pretty good at trusting God, but that one part, that's, that's, that's difficult. When you can't do anything with it, and you've done all you can, and you just have to sit back and let it float, that's the, that's the tough part. But here's the thing, no relationship is built without trust. And, and sometimes God promises to float your boat, because he wants you to see that he can. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Noah begins to construct this boat, and he finishes it in Genesis 7-1. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. The thing that I've always wondered about this story, what if, Noah and his family never entered the ark. So what if, just for instance, they had, we wouldn't be here, partly, but they, what, if they, what if they had spent all of this time, God, I would imagine that the movie Evan Almighty is a little true, like they, he probably did get ridiculed for this thing, because remember, they haven't, most, 99% mo, of scholars agree they haven't seen rain at this point, and so he's probably taken some heat for building this thing. He's gotten his whole family involved. We don't know exactly, exactly know how long it took him to build the ark, but it took a while. What if he does all of that? God brings all the animals. His family, they get lined up, and then he's like, I just can't quite do it. Like, I'm just a little too, I just can't quite do it. What step have you been putting off? That yes, it's going to be hard, Yes, it's going to be risky. It's going to put you in a vulnerable spot. You are going to have to let the boat float. But you know deep down inside it's the only answer. Because if they don't get on this ark, they've done all of that for nothing. Genesis 7, verse 4. Seven days from now, God speaking, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all the Lord 
commanded him. So once again, he spent all of this time building this structure, this honking boat. He's not an expert boat builder. He doesn't have power tools, but he spent all of this time building the boat. He finally has the nerve to step into the boat, or he's about to step into the boat, and then God says, hold on, let's wait another week. Some of you, you've been there, haven't you? You're in a waiting pattern. You're in a waiting place. You've been trying to be faithful. You've been seeking him. You've been faithful at work. You haven't been perfect, but you've been doing the best you can. You've been trying to be a good neighbor. You even loaned your lawnmower last week. You've been, you've been trying, and we know you're not getting that thing back, and your rake. But you've been trying, to, you've been trying to, to, to do good. You've been trying to be faithful. You've been trying to trust God. No, you haven't been perfect, but you've been loving your kids in their mess. You've been caring for the people that God's put around you. But now you're left waiting. Keep waiting because God is about to do exactly what he promised. Verse 13 says, On that very day, Noah and his son, Shem, Ham, Japheth, together with his wife and, and the wives of his three sons entered the ark. Noah was 600 years old at this point, or around 600 years old. Verse, skip to verse 16. It says, the animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. And that last part is where we're going to shut the front door. It says, then the Lord shut him in. So the open door, the cracked door, and then we have the shut door. The shut door is when things aren't going our way, but we don't have a clue why. How many of you have been in that spot? How many of you are currently in that spot? Probably just as many hands. The shut door. The Lord shut him in. A couple of years ago, I was um, at a, a thing in our previous church. I was, it was VBS, Vacation Bible School. And so I was there one night, and... Um, I get a call, it's kind of the, towards the end of it, and uh, I get a call from, from my wife, and she says, and I can I literally hear in the background, but she says, Riley's locked himself in the bathroom. Apparently, nobody told me this, but you're supposed to turn the locks around? They told me that very late. Anyway, and so she said, well, Riley, he's, he's, he's locked himself in the bathroom. Meanwhile, in the background, I can hear, ah, help, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, you got to come home, daddy. And there's panic on the other side, and Melissa, she's panicked, of course, too. I said it really calmly, but that's not the way she acted. She's like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what to do. He's, he's locked himself in the bathroom, and he's, he's freaking out. So we only lived a couple of minutes from, from the church, and so I drive home literally as I get in, by the door. It's more, get me out, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy's home. He'll take care of this. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, I don't know. But I have a smart wife, so she's standing there with a the screwdriver. Like, she knows that he's going to need something here. And so, meanwhile, we're fighting to try to keep him calm, and at, at one point, we, we tell him, buddy, sit down, sit down on the toilet, just stay calm, and so, bless his heart, behind the door, you can tell he, he like, puts the toilet seat down, and he can start hearing him sing a little bit, and then, like, two seconds later, it's like, let me out of here, let me out of here, I want out of here. Isn't that the way that closed doors feel? You feel like you're locked, you feel like you're rejected in, and you feel like nobody's going to let you out. When a door shuts in your life, when God says no... Or when things don't work out like you want them to. Or when the relationship ends. Or when you get the job loss and they tell you it's your last day. Or when, when, when you get told no even though you prayed for it and you interviewed for it. When the door closes, it feels like rejection. 
But oftentimes, it's not rejection, it's protection. Because when the Bible says that the Lord shut Noah and his family and the animals in the ark, what that literally means, what that word literally means, shut him in, those words, is covered him round about. Covered him round about. Some of you, you've been in, you're in places and you've lived and, and you know what rejection feels like. You were rejected as a child. You've always felt left out. You've always felt like the last one. You've always felt like everyone else was getting promoted. Meanwhile, you were never getting noticed. You know what a short shut door feels like. Some of you, you even feel like you have been rejected by God. It's not rejection. What if it's protection? And I really think that the older people get that walk with God longer, in my experience, they learn to thank God for the closed doors just as much as the open ones. Because a door doesn't mean denial. It's usually more about resolution. Maybe God closed that door because your season is over. Maybe God closed that door because the relationship wasn't good for you anyway. Maybe God closed that door because that job was going to put a strain on you and your family. Maybe God has closed a door because he wants you to experience the freedom of relying on him. Because God shut Noah and his family, he shut the door on them. In spite of the devastation on the outside, they were safe and secure inside the ark. Everything else have been washed away. Over a year on this boat, everything else demolished. But because God shut a door on Noah and his family's life, because God was willing to shut him in, they were protected. I wonder what God is protecting you right now, and you've been considering it rejection, and you've been considering the unfaithfulness of God, but it's really the protection and the provision of God. Noah and his family spent one year and 17 days on this ark. What a long time to be shut inside. Some of you, you've, you've been there. You lost the job. You were told no. You were turned down for the date. You felt rejection, rejected. The relationship ended. But you are safe because God is covering. The door is shut because he is protecting you. If God always rescued you, you would never get to see him as your, he, as, as your healer. If he, if he always gave you everything you wanted, you would never get to see him as your provider because you'd begin to take advantage of it. Let me ask you this. What if, what if God shut the door on the ark because it was too heavy? Because uh, like an elephant had to be able to fit through there, right? And so what if God shut it? What if Noah would have gotten mad at God for shutting it when God's shutting it to protect him because it's too heavy and he knows he can't do it himself? I wonder what God is carrying, you, carrying for you today because he knows you can't do it. So let's skip to the end of the story after they float. Genesis 8.1. It says, but God 
remembered. You need to know God never forgets, not even you. Noah and all the wild animals and livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Just to, just to wrap up my personal story that I started at the end, um, for three or four months, Melissa had to look for a job. She was doing her part. We were trusting God. We were praying. And it doesn't always end this pretty, but um, there was a certain place that we used to ride by, it, and every time we rode by it, we would talk about how great it would be if she worked there. Because she wasn't happy in the job before, but it was, but it was pain. So we, we would say, what, what, if, what if you weren't there? It's really close to the house. It's, it's, in, it's in an area that you love, in, in something that you love doing. What if you could work there? About two and a half months into this um, let go period, Melissa sent an application to me. A couple weeks later, two interviews later, that's where she works now. Because the faithfulness of God is often easiest seen in the rearview mirror. Right now, it doesn't feel good. The door's shut. Let me out. Open something up. But if you look back, when you're over there, you'll see his faithfulness here. Because he's doing something. He's doing something with you. Whether you're a believer or not, he's doing something in your life. Whether you trust him or not, he's doing something in your life. Whether you'll believe him or not, he's doing something in your life life and one day if you take notice you'll be able to look back and say yes God has been faithful Matthew 7 7 through 8 because through all of these doors I want us to see who the doorkeeper is Matthew 7 7 through 8 says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So what Jesus is saying, Jesus is telling us, he's saying, I know you're going to go through some doors. I know there's going to be times in your life where it feels like I'm, you're just walking step in step with me and I'm opening all these doors. And I know there's going to be times where you have to put effort to your faith and you're going to have to wait on me. And I also know there's going to be times where you're going to get frustrated because I'm not doing what you wanted to do. But in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, he says, if you ask, it will be giving. If you knock, I will open the door. In other words, what he's saying is he's saying through every door of life, you don't stand there alone. Through every door of life, you have a promise from me that if you ask me, I will be there. If you call on me, I will be there. If you knock, I will open the door and I will talk to you. We have this promise that through the open, through the cracks, through the shut, through any doors of life, through any seasons of life, through any times of life, good, bad, indifferent, we have this promise of Jesus saying, I'm here. All you got to do is ask. I won't always give you what you want. But I'll give you what's best. Because in that same passage, he begins to talk about parents. And he says, if you, being earthly parents, know how to give good stuff to your children, how much more do I know how to give good stuff to you? 
I've never met a good parent who would give their four-year-old a loaded gun no matter how bad they wanted it. Jesus says, I'm here through every door. You have with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Some of you this morning, you have never received the promise of Jesus in your life. And that Matthew 7 verse is very much di- directed towards you. Because what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I'm here. All you have to do is put your trust in me. All you have to do is, is ask me to come in. You don't have to clean up. The door will be open as soon as you ask. So if that's you this morning, just in your heart, in your head, you can even do it out loud. Just say, God, I feel like beating a, a shut door. There's something missing in me. And I, th- I think you may be it. God, I've been trying to do this by myself. So this morning, I give up. I ask you to come into my life. I am a prisoner no more. I believe you died. I believe you were a perfect sacrifice. I believe you rose. I believe you give me life. My life is no longer my own. In Jesus' name. For the rest of us sitting in this room, my question would be, what door do you stand at? And what do you need to do? Where have, where have you been interpreting it? It's God's rejection, where it's really been his protection. Where have you been thinking that just because the door was shut meant he was still? And you know that's not true. He's still working. God, thank you. Thank you for every decision that's been made in this place. God, for every person that's been encouraged. God, thank you for an example like Noah who wasn't perfect, but that you still believed in. And Lord, through the ups, through the downs, through the different stages of life, God, we declare that your promises are true. And regardless of how much we want to give up on them, regardless of how much we doubt them, God, regardless of how much we knock at a shut door, God, we believe you. And God, every person under the sound of my voice, God, I pray that they would stand on your promises, your promises to never leave them or or forsake them, your promise to work all things to the good of those who love you, who've been called according to your purpose, your promise that nothing can separate them from love of God, not angels or demons and nothing they could ever do, nothing that they could ever say. God, we stand on your promise that you are for us and you are not against us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? God, we stand on those promises this morning. Thank you for how you're going to continue to open doors as we walk. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.